we make our way to our seats. So we are in the book of Philippians. And just to review a little bit before we get to our passage today, the writer of Philippians was Paul, who was a Jewish uh, leader in the in the synagogues, and he was trained under Gamaliel, one of the greatest minds of his time. Um, he was born, he was a Roman citizen, studied under uh, Judaism, and he was very much against the, Jew, the Jesus sect. Like I said before, that there wasn't Christians, there was different versions of Judaism, right? There was, there was Jews that were from Palestine only, there were Jews that were from the Greek-speaking areas, and this new group of Jews that believed that Jesus was the Messiah and came. Like, there was not a, a huge distinction until after the temple was destroyed in 1866. So Paul's mission, he didn't like this new sect because this sect was teaching something very different. Right? The Messiah had come already, and other Jews did not believe that. So he was violently persecuting them and trying to imprison them, going to synagogues where Christians, believers would meet, going to the temple where believers would be, and trying to ascertain if they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and sending them to prison. And then, until Jesus interrupts Paul's life on the road to Damascus, he's knocked off his horse, has a blinding light. Jesus himself talks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? Makes him blind, gives him instructions about here's how you're not become blinded anymore and what you're going to do with the rest of your life, which is you're going to be called, you're going to serve the sect of Judaism the rest of your life and you're going to suffer for it. You're going to be the greatest missionary you've ever had. He made four missionary journeys. We have a little, yep. Four missionary journeys between two and six years. Went to mostly synagogues. Right, these are Jewish places of worship, Jewish temples. And in the second trip, he had a vision from God about the man of Macedonia. And Macedonia is a province in this map. And uh, Philippi is the leading city it's in the northeast, yes. Mm -hmm. That whole area is uh, Macedonia, and Philippi was one of the leading cities there. So he went there, and un unlike the other, there was no synagogues there. You only need 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue. But there was not enough men to have a synagogue, so he just met with some people that were uh, either Jewish or Jewish sympathizers, told them about Jesus. And on his last missionary journey, he was under house arrest until he died. He was executed by Nero, and during this time of his imprisonment in Rome, he wrote this book to the Philippians. And last week we talked about um, Jesus, or two weeks ago, talked about his humble title, right? He said, the servant of Christ Jesus, even though he has this impressive resume by this time. Just a humble slave, he says, which is like a horrible image you think of. But being a slave of Jesus is the best kind of slavery. 
because it gives you true freedom, it gives you true access to we all worship, we all serve, we all obey something. Whether that's ourselves, whether that's food or sex or pleasure or money or power. So serving Jesus, being a slave of Jesus, is freeing. And then he addresses the, the believers in the beginning of as saints. Right? Saints is like the, the New Testament word for the Old Testament word holy. Holy ones. Set apart. And if you're a believer, you are set apart. You are holy. Even if you don't feel that way, even if you've sinned in the last five minutes, because we don't look for our own righteousness to be righteousness in Jesus, so our identity has changed. We're holy because of what Jesus did for us. That leads us to where we are in verse 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. 3 through 11. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I'm reading from the ESV. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I title my sermon, We Pray Because We Love, and We Love Because Christ Says the Word. So my first point is prayer, right? Prayer is mentioned four times in this small passage here. And we think of like, Praying, he thinks about them, and that leads him to pray, right? Um, often I try to pray, and then my prayer turns into thinking, right? And then he goes the opposite way. He thinks about these people, and because he's so thankful for them, it turns to to prayer, thanking God for this group of people, thanking God for these believers, thanking God for this church. And when we think of prayer, we think of usually saying, here's what I need, God. I need a lot of things. My week is crazy. And it's not wrong to pray for those things. It's not wrong to pray for the things that we need. But Paul starts his first prayer is thankfulness. Thankfulness. And if you're like me, we have plenty to be thankful for. Plenty to be thankful for. So, as a reminder, like, we just need to make sure that as we're asking for things from God, we're also thanking God. That's how Paul starts his letter, right? Thanking God for these people. We need to thank God for our church, that we're able to gather. 
right? We, and which we, will shoot you really fresh in our minds. We spent two years basically doing online church, which is not the same. Right? That we can have relations that I know you and you know me. Thanking God for that. And we can sing songs. Daniel did a great job this week. Like, I have tears coming in my eyes. Just God honoring the songs. Thanking God for that. For this land, for Kuwait, for the jobs that we have to provide all our needs, that we have the skill sets and the minds and the degrees. All that comes from God. We think it comes from ourselves sometimes, right? We tempted to think that I did this, I'm so smart, right? No, it's God who gave us all the abilities that we have. So let's thank God. And after he thanks them, he said he thinks his prayer with joy. It says, makes his prayer with joy. Right? And why is he joyful? It's just because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, in this text is clearly talking about financial support, and you'll see this more as the letter progresses. Right? The, the group in Philippi supported his missionary journeys that he did. Right, yes, he was a tent maker, and yes, he's trying to work. But if you're doing full-time ministry and a full-time job, it's hard to do it well. So he got support, financial support. And this church, maybe unlike some of the other churches, really believed in him and his mission. This church probably had less issues. I've said this before. You know, because with, in some of the other letters he writes, he has to defend himself as one of the apostles. As someone who's seen Jesus, he had to defend the gospel again in Galatians against legalism and good works. But in this, there's none of that, at least in the beginning. There, this church has issues. But he, this is a church that has wholeheartedly believed him, believed his message, and believed in, in him going on these missionary journeys, sending the gospel to the world. And it is financial, but it's more than that. It's also prayer and support and, and, and giving of your time and energy and thinking about Paul and praying for Paul. So he prays for them because they support him, because of their generosity, love, and support. Paul prays for them because it's, it's, nice, it's nice to feel loved in that way. Right? And, and respond, he responds by praying for them with joy. And we should be doing this as well. First of all, I want you to know that I pray for you in this church nearly every day. So you can feel that for me. And if you want extra prayer after the service, if you want prayer for anything, I'm happy to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. You want to call me up? You want to text me? You want to talk about something? You want prayer for anything? I will be happy to do this. We also need to think about how are we partnering with the gospel as the Church of Philippi is partnering Right? They provided for him, even while he was in prison. Right? Because he's a prison man. So they're giving gifts because in those in that culture, it's not like prison 
where at least where I'm from, where you get three meals. If you wanted to survive in prison, you need to have your friends bring you food because the, the prison was not going to give you that. They locked you, even him, even under house arrest, he had to get people to bring him food or he would starve. That's how it was in that culture. They provided for him, and you'll see this near the end of the end of the book. It provided even for his, his time in prison, kept him alive, generous with him. So for us, what does that mean? I think, of course, we need to give our time to this church, right? We're a small congregation. There's a lot of people doing a lot of different work, and I thank you for that. But there's always going to be more, right? Giving other people breaks, like I said, about children's ministry, right? I don't want ladies to have this burden the rest of her time here. It, it can be shared. Right? Same with the sound. David and Brittany have been excellent with that. But if, if other people can be trained, I mean, I did it through all of December. I did that with a few other people. I, I can read a chart and look at a picture. It's not hard. We can plug you in anywhere. And of course, that means money as well. It talks about it. Right? It takes money to keep these things running, right? To keep this building that we have. And if you are partnering with us, then that gives us, we're like, we are an outpost, we are a church. We're an outpost of the kingdom. That, I would love to see this place filled up with people as we grow. But it takes work to get there. It takes work to get there. So think about how many of you partnering with CIC, with Crossroad, whether it's your prayers, your time, your money. And then think about praying with joy. <laughs> praying with joy. Especially when you think of all the people that have blessed you in your journey, right? There have been so many people in my life that have helped me so much. I think of my parents, I think of my family, my friends, my wife, my kids. So much support. Right, and we, we should know this as well, living in this COVID-19 world, we should have hopefully we learned that we don't have control over anything, right? We thought we did, and then a worldwide pandemic hits, and then we realize you're in free fall, we control very little. And when you talk to people, like you, I've tried so hard to convince people, convince my kids, convince my friends of like what my why I'm right. <laughs> and you know it doesn't work very well. You probably realize this as well. But we can know and we can have joy because God does control circumstances. God does control people. Right? It says in Proverbs, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it like a water course wherever he will. Meaning that God can change the king's heart. He can change anyone's heart. Right? From the greatest to the least. <laughs> And God does answer our prayer. He does. I had this experience, I think I told some of you this before, where a couple months ago, they were doing school, but if anyone got COVID, they had quarantined the whole class 10 days at home. And that happened in LA. I was so upset. But we got through it, we did our 10 days, we got some friends to help. He wasn't super miserable the whole time. So went back to school, and then like the next day or two days later, Another kid contracted COVID, shut the class down. And I was, first of all, super angry. <laughs> I was very angry. 
But then I, I, I prayed. I said, can I please let there be a way for just this 310 days? And by God's grace, God answered that prayer. And then two days later, he said, we're no longer doing quarantine the whole class. Now, you might say that's just a coincidence, but no, I don't think there are coincidences. I think God did answer my prayer because he does listen to us. So if you want to make an impact, a real impact is praying. Right? A real impact is praying. So that can control people. That can control outcomes, circumstances. Because God does control the universe. So Paul prays with thanksgiving for the church, and he prays with joy. Now my second point is that his prayer was motivated by his affection for the people. Right? He has this kind of despondence and nostalgia about them. He has, he's, he's not with them now. He's in jail. He's right here. He remembers them. And I think of, like, I have this thing on my, my Google photo that tells you, like, and Facebook has this too, you know, this, this would be a year ago. And just, I love that because it shows me all these great memories I've had with my, with my wife, with my parents. With other people, especially over nationally, because we travel almost every year before we have kids. So you know, like years and years of different places we traveled and the great memories we had. This is kind of how I think how Paul is feeling for them. All the memories that he made with this church. And he says, I hold you in my heart, right? Like a father. I think of holding, I hold my son Silas when he cries and gets hurt. I hold him. He's still a little enough where I can hold him. He likes it. And I like it even more because I just want to let him know that I'm here and I love you. Until he squirms his death. And that's, that's, in, that's how Paul feels in his church. Right? They supported him financially. He feels like a father to his people. And it says, share in God's grace. Right? Shared in God's grace. It's undeserved. What is grace? We talked about this before. For you all think of me of grace. Right? It's undeserved. They don't be called to deserve it. The church in Philippi doesn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. That's the gospel. Right? It's undeserved. That, that Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place for our sins, rose on the third day. And then all we do is believe in him. So we don't deserve that. We didn't earn it. It's undeserved. Right? That's why we are saints, as I said before. Right? We are saints not because we're great people. I'm not a great person. You are not great people. We are saints. But God looks at us as saints. That's why he's saying we're, we're, we're enjoying this grace together as Paul and the church. They're enjoying this together. It says it extends even in his imprisonment, imprisonment and the expansion of the gospel. Right? This common bond. Right? This, and we should have, not just, we're a church, but I also, I knew the pastors of other churches. Because we're part of the same uh, bond of, of knowing Jesus and being a light in this place, in this land. He didn't go so far as saying, I have that affection for you as Christ Jesus. Right? I, now, I don't think it's the same, 
He's using this kind of hyperbolic, super exaggerated language to show that I nearly as much as Jesus is how much I, I feel for you. I love you. And this church is also not perfect. Right? As we'll see, we'll see there's division within the church. And it says chapter 4, Gary and Sinti agree in the Lord. Two people that were not agreeing. Right? And people outside of the church. It says, watch out for the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Right? Talk about the, kind of the Jewish, Jewish Christianity that's trying to invade this, bringing the law back into this church. So this church has, has issues. And our church has issues. We're not perfect. We're broken people. But we can love each other because we can look at each other as Jesus looks at each other, looks at each one of us, right? I love you. That's why I pray for you. Because I care about you as people. This is hard work, right? Doing this every week, it's hard work. Prepping a sermon, right? If I didn't care about you or love you, I would not spend my so much of my time as my wife investing into this. And I've known some of your families, these families, for years. Like soldiers kind of sharing battle together. So what does it mean for us today? Well, first, that I do care about you. And also that we should feel this way for each other. We have issues. We have brokenness. We have awkwardness. Right? But we shouldn't look at each other that way. We should look at each other as people who have been redeemed and restored and made perfect in Jesus. And if we look at each other that way, that affection will grow. Believers are saints. Right? And to get to know people, you need to spend time with them. Right? Invite people to your house. Spend time with them. Ask good questions. This is a great starting point that doesn't end here at church. Right? Build these relationships. Right? We've been absent of that for a long time with COVID. This is a great time to rebuild. So we see that Paul prays for the Philippian church, which comes from his great affection for them. Now this all comes from his assurance and hope of Christ's work. Right? It says, And he who began a work of good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So it says that Jesus started this work. Now some people argue, like, so who, who calls who first? Does God do the work or does humans do the work? Both. But God calls us first. Then we respond. Right? It says God started this work in us. God calls us to his kingdom, calls us to himself. Then we respond and say, yes, Lord, I believe. Right? I grew up with the gospel. I grew up, my, my parents were Christians. But it wasn't until I was 15 that I actually turned, because that was the time that God called me and convicted my heart and told me, yeah, you need Jesus. I was living for myself, living for the approval of my parents living for my own achievement in school. But at that point, God said, that's enough. Turn to me and know me. It says he'll finish this work. 
right? That's his second coming on the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That is the second coming. So Jesus came, humble, marginalized, never left Palestine, was in that small region for most of his ministry. When he comes back, he will come as lightning across the sky and will rip open the sky and judgment will come. The whole, there will be no mistaking who Jesus is the second time. No one will be confused or caught off guard. It will be a terrifying moment when he comes back. He will come back as the man who leaves an army. A sword for a tongue, right? It says in Revelation. So judgment. And Paul is looking forward to this because as Christians, we don't need to fear that day. We can be excited about that day. Right? It's imminent. It's close. He's eager for it. So we see that Jesus both begins the process and he promises that he will finish the process. So that should be a relief as a believer. You don't need to do more, try harder, do better. He will, God will help us to persevere. He will make us persevere. We will persevere because of Jesus. Not about doing, it's about being, being in Jesus. Right? This is what grace is. It brings joy. And that is not that we don't have struggles or failures or sin. But it does mean that nothing can break that relationship that we have with him. Right? That church in Philippi, like I said, is not perfect. But he knows that God is going to make them persevere until he sees them again in heaven. Which gives him this affection for him and motivates him to pray for them. And it says further, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So he wants, he knows that God, Jesus is going to do it for the other side. But he prays for growth. Right? That in this life, practically, we become more holy. That they would understand knowledge about who God is, spiritual things, and then Discernment to making good choices, right? Knowing right from wrong, good from evil, right? He wants them to increase in love and knowledge and discernment. He wants them to be presented before Jesus like a bride for her husband. And he is certain of this, right? Even though he prays, which maybe thinks, okay, well, maybe this won't happen. But that's not true because of what he says before in verse 6. He is sure that he will bring them. So this prayer is just to continue to ensure and assure the Philippian church that they're gonna, he's gonna bring, God's gonna bring them there. Right? Answer and grow them throughout their lives. And again, he says for the day of Christ. Right? This is a conviction, a strong conviction that Paul has. Jesus coming back, it could be any minute. That's how Paul thought. That was 2,000 years ago. So we should have that same mentality that any minute he can come back. Not just in his mind, like, oh yeah, I believe Jesus is coming back, checking the box. But no, we should believe it could be in the next 30 seconds if he come back and we're both in the sky. And he wants them to be pure and ready 
Right? And this is the fruit of righteousness, it says. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Right? What is the fruit of righteousness? Well, it's, I think it's right living. Righteousness means right living before God. God's way is the right way. You don't need to look far. People try to do their own way. People who are famous and rich, they often kill themselves. It's very common because that way leads to death, the Bible says. But there's a way that seems right to a man, the end of which is destruction. And it's practical. He wants them to practically grow. And if you look back on your lives, right, hopefully you'll see fruit, right, that five years ago, maybe five years ago and now, ten years ago and now, we all have grown. Not perfectly, but I have grown some in certain ways. There's stuff I'm learning even now. Learning to trust in what Jesus does, not in what I do. I can tend to trust my own performance in things, like God's teaching me that even now. And the righteousness comes from Jesus, right? It comes through the fruit branches that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not just He saves you, and then I'll see you at the other side. No. He's saying, I will bring you there. I will not only I make you righteous instantaneously, but I will make you practically righteous throughout your life. I will do this. And that's what brings glory to God, as it says. Because it's not, oh, I did it. I made it. That brings glory to us. But God does it. It brings glory to Him. So, what's the point? Be in Jesus. Be united with Him. Like I said, it's not try harder to do better. As you know Jesus and you love Him and you spend time with Him and you pray to Him and you ask Him, He will make you more holy. He will make you better. Right? We ask Him how to be holy. We ask God to help us love Jesus, to love our kids more. To love our spouses more, to put away the things that are evil in our lives, and to look for God's beauty. And as we pray to Him, He will do that in our lives. He's going to answer that prayer. Do we also try to change the symptoms and change the outside? But Jesus says that's like a whitewashed tomb with bones inside, right? The true change in our life comes from knowing Jesus better. So as we conclude, let's remember that our foundation is built on the gospel, that he starts the work of faith, and he will bring it into his kingdom no matter what. He is the one who will also bring practical change into our lives. And from this, we can understand how God sees his people, and we can learn to see them as God's children as he sees them, which will in turn give us affection for each other. And as we love and have affection for each other, we will be motivated to pray and give thanks for relationships that we have. Let's pray. God, we want to know you better and be in your presence more. Help us this week 
to spend time with you. Our lives are very busy, very full. But help us to find some time to carve out, some time to pray to you, to read your word, to listen to you. Because that's how we change, that's how we grow. It's not about just trying to change the outside, but we want to be changed inwardly. We look to you for that. So help us have a deep relationship with you this week, Jesus, which will in turn build our practical holiness, bring us closer to you, and will give us love and affection for each other. And I pray that we would continue to have, we see each other, even in our weakness, as 